0: For more information on our product line, visit fullyloadedchew.com.
1: You're listening to the Average Conservationist podcast brought to you in partnership with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's (laughs) fishandwildlife.org. What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Uh, got a really fun episode for you today. Uh, today I am joined by the owners and founders of 2% Certified Canadian Heritage Roasting Company, uh, Mike Wenslaw and Jamie Parker. <clears throat> and this is one of the, uh, this is a conversation that I've had. I had more fun on this conversation uh, than I've had in a long time and I think while I enjoy certainly all of the episodes, uh, there was just something about Mike and, and Jamie that uh, we just hit it off uh, immediately. Um, Mike and I actually were talking for a few minutes offline because um, Jamie was running some errands and it was just a little bit late joining us. Um, so, I mean, we just like jumped right into things um, and just uh, developed this good rapport super quick and it uh, turned into one of these conversations that... Um, you know, I, I looked down at the clock and realized we were already at an, you know, almost an hour. <clears throat> and, uh, it's just, when you're having a good conversation with people, uh, the time tends to go by really quickly. Um, and that was <clears throat> certainly the case in this episode, um, to give you a bit of a background. Um, both Jamie and Mike have, uh, some pretty, uh, cool backgrounds in terms of some things that they did prior to starting, um, Canadian heritage, and they have this this outlook and this mindset and this attitude um, of kind of embracing the struggle that is uh, building a brand, building a company, um, getting it to the point where um, they believe it can be, and, you know, some of the previous experiences that they had or, you know, lines of work that they had prior to starting this, I think really helped kind of shape... Um, their kind of their, their outlook, their mental fortitude, um, that, uh, helped them get to where they are. I mean, from roasting coffee in the back country to roasting coffee, uh, in Mike's mom's garage. I mean, these guys were willing to do, um, whatever it took, uh, in order to see things through and to, to see that they su- succeeded, um, in their endeavor. Um, you know, they, they kind of wanted to to build this brand around kind of this tough, um, rugged outdoors lifestyle that uh, both of them kind of grew up living, and uh, I think it really kind of shines through in in a lot of the things that they talk about. And then, um, if you just look at the brand itself, it's really um, kind of what it exemplifies. Um, so the super fun, cool episode, uh, like a, like most of them. Uh, so episode eighty eight. Mike Wenslaw, Jamie Parker, Canadian Heritage Roasting Company. Um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Uh, Before that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, If you have not already, be sure to download the Stone Glacier app, whether on Google uh, Google Play or iTunes. Uh, Stay up to date. Um, Actually, the same day that this episode launches, uh, they are dropping a new film called Over and Out. Um, Be sure to head over to their YouTube page or their website and check that out um also be sure to check out a lot of the new uh technical apparel that they have dropped this year as well with as well as um some new packs. Um now is a great time to kind of start planning for your 2022 season whether it's uh, spring turkey, uh whether you've got <clears throat> a big out of state or a big backcountry hunt um planned for next fall or for this fall, excuse me. Um you know, be sure to head over to StoneGlacier.com, check out all the different gear Uh, sleep systems obviously packs uh, really anything that can kind of help round out your kit so head over to stoneglacier.com, check them out all right joining me on the podcast today i have the owners and founders of two percent certified canadian heritage roasting company mike wenslaw and jamie parker guys how are you
2: good how are you
1: i'm doing good i uh jay or uh excuse me mike and i got to talk a little bit before we started recording here catching up on deer story camps uh, our deer camp stories and everything like that so uh i'm glad that we can finally sit down and make this happen i know it's kind of been a long time in the making
0: yeah absolutely but it gets sweeter with time right
1: yeah absolutely so before we kind of get into the company and everything why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves
2: mike you start off
0: yeah absolutely so um yeah, I'm, uh, my name's Mike, 32, born and raised in uh, Calgary, Alberta, and uh, like Jamie, a uh, big outdoorsman. A little bit later in life, though, that I came into it, thanks to thanks to Jamie. Always liked the outdoors, but kind of getting into the hunting and angling side, now I'm bit by that bug and completely obsessed with fly fishing, and as we were discussing earlier, you know, like putting some uh, good hunting stories under the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah but I'd say the biggest thing is yeah just really really into the outdoors and and kind of growing into uh, the person I want to be every day and yeah what about you Jamie How do you follow up on's uh, a- <laughs> <not bad> to <laughs> follow
2: um, my name's Jamie Parker and uh, yeah I kind of my my story um, I grew up as a my dad was in the military for 25 years so I kind of grew up a little transient all over. Uh, was born in Manitoba, in the middle of nowhere, Brandon. Um, I don't. I don't imagine anybody will know where that is. And they. <laughs> should. But uh, anyways, there's a military base up near there, so that's why I was. I was born out there. Uh, my 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 old man got stationed in Calgary, Alberta, uh, soon afterwards. So the family moved out there. Uh, grew up in Calgary most of my life, uh, for the most part. In Calgary um, until my dad was stationed back in Fredericton. Uh, long story short, my parents got separated when I was quite young. My dad moved out to New Brunswick uh, and he had a farm out there and I grew up in Calgary. So I'd go back out there every summer and I'd pretty much farm all, all summer long, have a good old good time and uh, get my hands dirty. And then I'd come back and play sports and, and uh, do a bunch of stuff in Calgary for the most part. And he was
0: dad, dad to me and teaching me hunting. Yeah.
2: yeah. It,
1: it's always nice to have, uh, like if you don't grow up around it, like to have, you know, buddies or friends uh, or anything like that, that are, you know, really willing to, to kind of teach you about, you know, hunting and uh, fly fishing, whatever, you know, anything kind of as it pertains to the outdoors, because y- you kind of find like, as you get older in life and Mike, you can probably speak this, like without Jamie, like how difficult that may have been to kind of like get yourself immersed in that whole outdoor lifestyle.
0: Yeah, absolutely, we talk quite, uh, my fiance and I, we talk all the time where, you know, it's it's these life experiences and the direction that we're going that feels so right. You know, the person that I was 10 years ago, five years ago, even last year, the development of that individual is, you know, you start to really like the person looking back at you a lot more and it's because of that. And. Yeah, it is. it it would be extremely difficult to get into that world without uh, a helping hand, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, I mean, we were probably a bunch of knuckleheads 10 years ago, right? I mean, it's amazing what a little bit of maturity will do for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, let's talk about Canadian Heritage. So, how did you guys have the idea to start the company? When did you start it? You know, what did that whole process look like for you guys?
2: Yeah, um so it kind of, kind of was a brainchild of, of mine to start, and then obviously, Mike glommed on quite, quite soon after. But uh, honestly, I was, I was on an. It actually all started on an elk hunting trip without Mike, and uh, it was with another guy, rude, named Mark. And uh, it's all part <laughs> of the story, right? Anyways, it happened on an elk hunting trip, and it was bow hunting, and we we're out. Uh, we're kind of. Northwest of Calgary, up near Sundry, um, is, is a small area where there's good uh, crown land or uh, I guess public, public land for yep. uh, for hunting and and so I would go out there and kind of try my hand. Getting permission on private land out here is pretty ch- pretty challenging. Um, so public land is usually usually the best option. And so I was out and we were, I was actually. I was in my last year of university and all I had were electives left that year so I took like I took these ridiculous classes love class and photography (laughs) and like just just filling out the roster on my degree and I didn't go to school for the entire fall semester and all I did is I actually went hunting every day and I patterned this herd of elk up there and I was I was on this trip and we had a beautiful bow hunt that morning. Got in on a nice, nice herd, and and my buddy, I was going for a bull. He didn't really care. We were able to shoot a cow, so he got up, and we got I got him within fifty yards on a cow, and he drew back his bow and he was shaking like a leaf, and he he let it down and he's like I can't he's like I can't calm myself down. So we ended up not shooting an elk that morning. We walked away from it and and uh, went back to the camp and it was something about the experience that we had and we were, were sitting down, we had a big percolated pot of garbage MJB coffee from Costco. And, and uh, we we're just kind of joking about the idea of, of what it's like to be in the outdoors and, and this experience that we have with it. And how can we showcase that experience maybe in the city to give somebody a brief break. Um, and, and that's kind of where the idea started percolating and through that, I sat on that idea so we were joking at the time we were going to call it Calgary Cowboy Coffee Company and C4 and you know when you when you have like these ideas of grandeur you kind of joke about it and but this idea really stuck with me for quite some time and something that I I hated every time I got back from wildfire and we'll kind of get into that a little bit more is I would come back and I'd be in the city and I go to these coffee shops and it was so pretentious and it it didn't feel like the Alberta, the Calgary I grew up in. The Calgary I grew up in was outdoorsy, cowboy esque, kind of the Wild West. And like, you you know, you could, you, you, a handshake meant something back then. And, and so this pretentiousness, I felt it kind of creeping in. I didn't like it. So, really trying to figure out how we can marry that experience and the experience that, that I love so much about Alberta and Mike does as well and bring that into coffee. That's kind of how the idea started. And now I'll I'll pass it over to Mike and he can kind of tell you how he got brought into the fold.
0: Yeah. I'm going to glob onto the story. (laughs) (laughs) So we, uh, I like to tell the story in two parts, but basically, uh, I was on my first hunting trip ever and I, I had stayed up till about 3am doing my hunter's ed, um, so that I could like, potentially flirt with the idea of just participating, and my mom said she would she would have lost the house on a bet if somebody told her that you know at this present time I was an avid hunter because she's like he couldn't hurt a fly kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, and I, I probably I probably would have believed it. And so I went on this trip kind of as a hired hand, someone to just kind of carry around uh, bear deterrent to, um, to see if I had the stomach for it. And I went in there being like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to hike in 5, 10, 12 kilometers, and then we're going to, like, shoot some right away, and it'll be so easy. And I was grossly, like, <laughs> underestimating the experience. And so uh, we had we had a pretty pretty fun experience on that trip, but uh, not, unfortunately didn't bag anything. And so then I was invited to... Um, Actually, on that trip, one of the one of the reasons that came from it was uh, this one night we're sitting around the fire, and we're drinking Alberta Premium as we are right now. We're uh, a full yeah,
2: day's hike in. Yeah,
0: full day's hike into the
2: or You're not allowed any motorized vehicles into the Wilmore Wilderness area. You have to hike or horse ride, horseback, yeah. so.
0: and so. we weren't cool enough to have horses yet, so <laughs> we're we're drinking from a plastic bottle this time, and we started kind of telling campfire stories and. This, this idea that's been with Jamie for a while kind of resurfaced there He's talking about again this this idea of you know the experience and the outdoors and and how it stays with you and how everyone has a has a form of nostalgia around being in that setting and everything just tastes better and it's so visceral. And so started kind of flirting with this idea of starting a coffee company and you know we' we're, we're all drinking whiskey and, you know, being like, oh, yeah, well, maybe this, that and the other thing and poking holes and getting all excited about the idea and then just kind of carried on um, uh, the next day, kind of no no second thought about it. And then uh, Jamie was a wildland firefighter on a repel crew uh, for three seasons at the time. And then I was kind of in a transitional state and looking to kind of find something else and i always went to camp as a kid and i wanted to do that but uh i was poor as sin because i just spent a season in a ski town being a ski bum as a bucket list item and jamie's like well why don't you get into fire because then you could be outside all the time you don't have to deal with kids and you can make some money and and so (laughs) tried out and uh was lucky enough uh, Uh, barely got in but uh, yeah, their biggest mistake. And then I got onto a unit crew out of Rocky Mountain House uh, for that season. And um, Jamie and I kept throwing around the idea and working on it passively, and you know, building up the business plan and creating like just saving money for seed capital. And at the end of the season, um, we we put together that seed capital and started a Canadian Heritage Roasting Company. But while we were $10, in ten thousand dollars, yeah, that's it, ten thousand dollars. And then when we were in wildfire, that's when we perfected the roasting technique. So we actually learned to roast coffee in the bush in a cast iron pan. Okay. Uh, and you, Jamie, buy green beans from like some seedy website online and show up, and then he'd roast them up and grind, brew them up, and it was more a morale boosting technique because I know you guys have the hotshots down there, and you know it's it's grueling work. You yeah, know, you're away your friends and your family for you know, sometimes 24 days at a time and sleeping in a tent and getting eaten by bugs. And it's the best job in the world, hands down. But, you know, it's it's good to kind of come back. So the idea of Canadian heritage and what we're trying to do kind of amalgamated of all those things. It's it's the nostalgia, it's the connection, it's the enjoyment of being outdoors, the camaraderie, um, and then just this. Yeah, the grit, the working hard. And that's where we are today.
1: Yeah, guys, that's a super cool story, man. Like, I mean, just from... You know, kind of roasting your own beans, like on your own, like in the back country, while you're out there fighting fires, to to where you guys are at now. I mean, you guys just shared some big news, obviously before we started recording. uh, That's going on on your end. I mean, to go from that to where you're at now, I mean, that's that's incredible, man. I mean, and just to me, what it really kind of sounds like is when you have when you have this dream, when you have this vision, and you believe that it's a good one, right? And what you guys were talking about, like joining those two things with like the outdoors and like this passion for it. And then like some hard work, determination. I mean, like, shit, like really anything's kind of possible, right? And that's like, those are the kind of stories that I love to hear. Because it's not like, oh, yeah, we were just sitting around one day, like, drinking some coffee and we're just like, you know what? Like, let's just start a coffee company because we think it'd be cool, right? Like you guys did it for all these like right reasons and like the story that you want to tell with it is, uh, is super cool though. And especially one that I think a lot of people can relate to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a really cool journey so far. And I think, you know, we've, we've had a lot of incredible opportunities stem from it. And, and it is because we, we truly do view ourselves as being more of a lifestyle branded company. Um, that just happens to sell coffee, you know, coffee's a passion of ours, but more so than that, it is, it's the outdoors and it's the ability to plug into different facets of that.
1: Yeah. Speaking of like the, the apparel or the, the lifestyle apparel, like obviously I can see you guys wearing some of it right now. And I was popping around on the website before we started recording and like, you guys got some really cool stuff, man. And like, I, I, I really, really dig it, man. Like the hat that, uh, that you're wearing right now, Jamie, like I was, I eyeballing that thing, like on the website, I was like, Hmm,
0: that looks like a nice hat. Yeah. Thanks, man. Jamie Jamie actually drew that trout and I'll I'll pay all all credit all homage. Um the apparel line's been something that's been sitting in the back of his head for quite some time and uh you know we've never just we've never had the means to really do it until now and yeah, the rollout took over a year. I mean the con- the concept and development because we didn't want to just, you know, slap uh slap a bunch of stuff on Gildan t- like t-shirts. Yeah. We wanted you know, we joke all the time. The reason we started the business was to buy shit at wholesale that we like. And you
2: know,
0: eventually it got to the point where we're like, well, why are we wearing everyone else's shit when we just make something that we like more? And, you know, and hopefully other people do too. So Jamie's done an incredible job with, a, with the help of another one of our staff, uh, Jen, um, in creating Sea Heritage Co., which focuses around these camp-proof, rugged Canadian goods. Um, they're all made in Canada. Some are actually made here in Calgary oiled canvas all the materials sourced by sourced by us so
1: no that's super cool i know when you said uh, starting the apparel line so essentially you could like buy stuff at like wholesale prices that you guys wear so some people know they don't know when i talk to them so the average conservation started off as a as an apparel company that's that's what i have right now that's 2% brand as well and after like a year and a half of that like the podcast kind of was something that i added on to it so like the sweatshirt that I'm wearing right now is just like a blank of a sample that I like want to pr- print a sweatshirt on. So I was like, I called my guys like, Hey, can you uh, just send me a couple samples of this and this and this? So they're like, I'm just wearing around half the time. If it's not like something that has my own design on it, it's a blank that I got before I printed actually on it. Cause that's just a I I mean, that's how I live now, right? I just, I wear my own stuff. I get high off my own supply all the time.
0: Yeah. Life hack, man. As that's you great. should. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. So what types of coffee are you guys offering?
2: yeah i think uh so we we offer like honestly our coffees come from all over the world but what we focus on is we have moved we don't we're not really into like the floral acidic and sour bright coffees we're more into the dark chocolate milk chocolate savory robust smoky nutty those kind of um flavored coffees but we've particularly source that kind of flavor of coffee um in a high grade so like technically there's like the third wave uh coffee industry and so when you when you buy coffee it's kind of it's graded similar to the way the the wine i would say like the wines the fake wine scale is it's like it's over 90 points for wine when you see that in the grocery store, 92 points. Uh, coffee's kind of graded like that from the Q graders and anything, um, I believe it's 82 or 84 and above, um, classified as a, as a grade A coffee. So we try to find really high quality coffee that meet our flavor notes.
1: Okay. Um, and
2: so we do get our coffee primarily from uh, Indonesia or Papua New Guinea, um, we'll get it from Colombia, Guatemala, uh, Mexico, Peru, uh, really all over. It just depends on what kind of tasting notes we can get out of it.
1: Now, are, are a lot of the roasts that you guys are getting, are they like more like the medium bodied like more like dark? Like what are you guys kind of like from light to dark roast, like everything in between?
2: Yeah, we don't do a ton of uh, light roast. We we do more medium roast or, or just like, like just under medium and then kind of. just above a medium roast i don't like to get it too confusing you can say like full city all this garbage but like keeping it simple for people to hear it's like it's either dark medium or light and so we're kind of around that medium range but we do do a dark roast as well um and that was that was all due to mike's mom because every time mike would go back to his mom's house she would open up the cupboards and see this like dark roast kicking horse inside of her cover he's like mom like why why are you drinking this stuff like you know i own a coffee roasting company why are you like i'll give you coffee for free i don't care and she's like well i only like dark roast (laughs) yeah i was
0: just stabbed to the heart
2: (laughs) (laughs) a little sour on it so we finally like bent and and he's like i gotta make this for my mom so we made this uh our dark roast in and it's kind of an ode to firefighting um and we call it the burnt timber okay and it's uh, it's a blend of two beans and we do it just under second crack. Man, it is an awesome coffee and it is not it's not ashy or astringent, it's full bodied, it's it's got that dark dark roast flavor without that off taste to it. So it's yeah. it's been-
0: we like to say that we're kinda of like the gateway uh, drug to craft coffee because the whole reason we started it again is is jamie was hating this kind of pretentiousness you know if you go into a high class cafe somewhere and you have you know a barista with blue hair and a septum piercing staring at you as you put cream in the coffee you know kind of giving you the, the eye roll like that's like we would when we were starting this we would go into some cafes and feel uncomfortable or or intimidated and it's like this is this is the vibe we want to eliminate we want right. it to be more comfortable and inviting and so that, that speaks true to the coffee. The coffee is a very high-quality coffee. We know our shit, but it is very much meant to be an approachable coffee, you know, something that people are used to drinking, but just an elevated version of that.
1: Yeah, so I've always, I mean, I've always taken my coffee black, and it wasn't until probably like a year and a half ago I'd had uh, another coffee company, another 2% brand on the podcast, and they were started talking about like, Yeah, like pour over and like I'd heard of it, but I'd never tried it. And they're like, dude, you got to try it. Like it's the best way to experience coffee. Like if you're not grinding your beans fresh, like before you make your coffee, like you're doing it all wrong. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And like I've become like that guy that's like, oh, you don't grind your beans? Like (laughs) like, what are you you guys doing? Like I'm not drinking your coffee. Like, I mean, not to that extent, but it's just it's so much better to – to have fresh like roasted beans and then like grind them right before you pour water over them it's oh, i mean it's it's changed the game for me with how i drink coffee
2: my my best analogy for it is like it's like getting fresh bread from a bakery yeah but you just can't that's why you as soon as the beans oxidize or they get like they start to degrade it's not going to be as good that's why you always grind it as fresh as possible
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and it'll come out just like that like that fresh baked bread
1: yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's been a, certainly a game changer for for me. So now, well, when did when did you guys actually like launch everything to where every like everything like the website and all that stuff?
0: Yeah, so the website was the first thing that we had done. Um, that was back in November of twenty fifteen. Okay. Uh Is when our commerce went live, and then we started picking up smaller clients, uh, food service, grocery. At
2: um, that time, hold on, let me yeah. interject. We were roasting out of Mike's mom's garage at this time. And not only were we roasting out of Mike's mom's garage, but we were using these little fresh roast countertop roasters that can only do 130 grams at a time, which take 10 to 15 minutes to roast. And because we didn't have a big roaster at the time, we had about eight of these puppies plugged in in the garage, just popping breakers left, right, and center. Oh,
1: I bet. (laughs)
2: Playing musical chairs with, with these, making our roasts. So I know, I like, I've listened to a lot of podcasts my day, and, like, something I always appreciate the most while listening to podcasts is the grit and, like, the grind at the beginning and hearing, like, how a company was formed. So yeah. I don't want to miss out on, like, some of those good, good little tidbits.
0: And I must interject that we broke some of the rules when we first started because we uh, not only were we buddies because we met in university but we're buddies that started a uh, company together but we also lived in my mom's house while we were roasting in her garage because she was doing a freedom 55 and when uh we came back from wildfire we were looking for a place to move in together and we're like well why don't i just why don't we just go back to mom's and so i went in in my old bedroom and Jamie was in our unfinished basement. And my mom was a bit of a hoarder at the time. She's, mom, if you listen to this, I, you've done much better. But there was like box walls. And so Jamie had this like weird labyrinth in the basement of like, these, like old Rubbermaids and shit like that. And we would,
2: deer heads. Yeah.
0: And then Jamie's deer heads everywhere. And we would just like walk. He'd walk up in the morning. I'd walk downstairs. We'd, start drinking coffee and then just like work in our pajamas. And then eventually this was when uh, hell on wheels was really big on AMC. Yeah. So what we would do is we'd work until like four or five or six and then the coffees would quickly turn into whiskeys and we used to call them Bohannons And we would just like just slam whiskey. And then that's, that's when a lot of the best ideas actually started coming around. So
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> I mean, I, like the more that we kind of talk and, and like you guys are like oh yeah i forgot about this like the more it just like adds to kind of the story right i mean the you know first starting off like in your mom's in your mom's garage you know roasting your beans to now having you know a facility where you're doing this all yourself i mean I, you don't see a lot of people that are willing to one even start at that point let alone graduate from that point to you know getting to the point where you're at where you're being sold in grocery stores you know you have your own manufacturing facility and you know i mean you guys are you know going on seven years now of actually being a business i mean that's that's incredible
0: yeah thank you i yeah, appreciate that it's not in it's it we we we're actually really garbage at celebrating any wins or any of that kind of stuff i think it's just who who we are and and our our other partner Ally, she's she's like that as well we just you know, kind of give ourselves a quick high five and then move on and what's the next thing. And it's not it's not until things like this where you could kind of reflect and, you know, reminisce a little bit that 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 stuff sinks in. So, yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, how much that stuff do you guys actually kind of tend to forget about? Right. I mean, something that was, you know, seven years ago that, you know, until you get into a situation like this, where you're telling me your story, who doesn't know anything, you know, about, you know, really the origin Uh, of the company and then you're like oh yeah I forgot we were doing this oh yeah by the way we did that too
2: Oh, like honestly I think you kind of you store it away and it's like business is one of those things it's kind of like a a traumatic experience as a child but like (laughs) when you're old and you have these like constant traumatic experiences and you become more and more comfortable with them and you kind of file them back but when you are talking about it and you're bringing up all these old memories and stuff like they're they're visibly back there it's just getting them out and getting them in the open right therapeutic to talk about that stuff
0: yeah exactly how much is this session gonna cost
2: yeah no this one's
1: on the house boys don't worry about that (laughs) perfect so what were some of the biggest obstacles that you guys faced, like getting getting everything up off the ground
0: uh i mean one that kind of shot to my head right away as we were just chatting about the, the traumatic experiences is so we, we seeded the company with 10 grand. I'm, I'm happy to say that we still own the company 100% to this day. We've taken no uh, outside investment, um, which I think is, is a huge accomplishment. But uh, when we were done blowing breakers in the garage and doing about 100 grams every 10 minutes. We wired about eight grand of that to China for our first kind of commercial size roaster, which was a two kilogram drum styled, no name, but it was patterned after uh, another popular roaster. And we, we kept getting all these update photos and then they just kind of stopped. And then the ETAs kind of kept getting pushed. Oh, and no. we're like, well, cool. this is the end of CHRC. <laughs> like we we're done. We and uh, thankfully, one day, um, out of the blue, it showed up on a on a train, and then we loaded it up, took it into Mom's, and then we became like the, the bandits that would roast in the cul-de-sac at night, because we were so stressed at being caught or found out by... This
2: thing bellowed smoke.
0: Like H.S.?
2: So, like, neighbors, if they saw the garage, if they saw the smoke coming out of that garage, they... And if it were in during the daytime, somebody would have definitely called the cops. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, when we were first starting our company, we were so worried about Alberta Health Services, our like local health authority, like knocking on our door and shutting us down. <laughs> yeah. When like you're the smallest fish in the world, like nobody even knows you exist. Yeah. And, so he, it and but even I think if they you did. have these, you have these like ideas in your mind of. The man coming to come and knocking, coming to collect it, and
0: it's stat, it's statute of, of limitation now. So now we're sweet. So if HS is listening, sucks to suck. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Can't there, it yeah, yeah.
1: So are you guys shipping only um, in Canada or do you guys ship uh, like worldwide to the US and everything like that?
2: We'll ship wherever the money comes from. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, like we. We 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 started shipping to the U.S. Well, we shipped to the U.S. Ever, ever since we began, and a lot of people actually out of like Montana, Idaho, they, they started trickling up. Actually, expats, ex or Canadians yeah. that have moved down there or got married down into the U.S. and live there now, they were they were buying for their family and whatnot uh, down there, and then we really got our our biggest breakdown in the U.S. with with Expert Voice, mm-hmm. uh, a company that we we use. And what they are is they're kind of a a promotive site that if you're affiliated with firefighting, military, police, you're like a professional fly fishing guide or whatever, you get a pro deal on these certain brands. And I used to use expert voice quite a bit when I was a wildland firefighter to buy certain gear from OR, or, um, you know, I don't know, Vortex or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. but so I had this idea I think last year when mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit I was like We need to take like we're we have a great online presence because when we started we started primarily online That was the only way that we could sell so um, Because we're selling out of our mom's garage obviously we You know couldn't have people coming over um, So no local. smoke mirrors. Yeah, anyways, we started selling online in 2015, but we knew that we needed to make a bigger presence online in twenty 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 there, early twenty twenty, and so Expert Voice was that that outlet, and that has really kind of slingshotted us down into the U.S. quite a bit more.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah it uh, <clears throat> it's it's funny how with
1: with really well one the fact like starting in twenty fifteen like to me that's like kind of the head of the curve right with a lot of. Just a lot of like online small businesses and things like that. Like it seems like people kind of, I mean, I started mine in 2019. um, And even then I felt pretty late to the game. But like 2015, like you didn't see a lot of, or or maybe it's just because I wasn't paying attention at the time. Like the small businesses, like you just didn't see them nearly as often, especially, you know, being successful uh, in the online game.
2: I, I agree, and I think it's because like Shopify was just getting online at that time. Mm-hmm. Shopify, Squarespace, all of these templated online platforms for businesses to build on that you didn't need to pay thirty thousand dollars for, you know, a web designer to build. Right. Were just kind of coming online in twenty fifteen, and and I think that's why, I would say like we were we knew that we were kind of on the early bell, of that parabola.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. That, that certainly um, is to your advantage. But then to, you know, to plug along, to to make strides, and then, like, you know, to think, you know, five years later is when you guys caught that catch-a-break or, or, you know, when things really kind of catapulted um, with that other service. I mean, that's, that's sticking it out, you know, when I'm sure at times they were like, you guys were, is this going to take? Like, when is when are we really going to see this take off? Like, you know, you guys both know that it could. And then, you know, to see that and then to see where you're at now, I mean, I mean, it's, I, I, Mike, you know, I was telling you before we started recording, like I could see like how excited you were like talking about, you know, like deer camp and talking about the stuff you guys had going on, which you guys can certainly share if you would like, but like, I love seeing that, man. Like, I love seeing people, like, even though we just met the, the success, right? Like people, you know, being good at what they want to do like that's to me that's just such a cool thing and and I love to
2: see it yeah man i think like at the at the tip of the spear is grit yeah like it took 4 years for us to like start to feel comfortable in our own skin around like what was happening and and through that first 4 years like it was it was the hardest time of our lives mike was working two jobs i was working two jobs mm-hmm. while running our business full time and we left our our i had left wildfire and this cushy job where you make a decent decent wage and mike as well for to pursue this this idea and this vision that is uncertain and unknown and it does it just it'll come true for a lot of people it just takes so much perseverance and grit and like those hard times to get through like I remember Mike, we would, yeah, like Mike was working a serving job at night and he wouldn't work during the day and then in the morning he was doing like fitness. I was I was a fitness instructor and then I was driving a school bus. I, got, I drove a school bus. Like how <laughs> ridiculous is that? And like at the age of 25, I was the youngest school bus driver in Calgary.
0: By 75 years. Yeah,
2: at least. <laughs> and like these are the things that people don't realize about our company and, and we didn't pull a salary for Mike didn't pull a salary for three and a half years. And I didn't pull a salary until year, four and a half. Yeah. And because like, what is important to your business? Is it, is it a little bit of like hard work and suffering or is it like recycling the funds, giving it the best opportunity? It's no different than a child. Like you gotta just, you gotta foster that thing and you gotta, make sure that it's going to survive
0: i think the coolest thing is like a lot of these suffer points these choke points like we're in one right now um yeah as we were chatting about before the recording and I'll, i'll touch on it is like i i never once thought and i still to this day have never thought i'm like oh this could not work it's like we we're resourceful enough passionate enough um, and don't have that like we don't have enough of a chip on our shoulder or ego not to do what's needed like we go flip burgers at McDonald's if it helped save the company for sure and i think for for us yeah it, it's never about it not happening but it is about kind of those stressful moments and and that perseverance and these choke points and it generally comes around the ebb and flow of like cash flow and this growth so right now we're in a growth phase you know, the company is just chewing through money as we're releasing Sea Heritage Co Apparel lines and new products like flash fuel. And we're expanding into a warehouse, which we just put an offer to purchase on. And these are all very scary things. But at the same time, it's like we're like goldfish. Like we have like a five second memory. It's like, <laughs> it, and it's this idea of like, you know like what level of fun is it and and suffering so like short short time fun it's that idea of like the roller coaster right like it's instantly gratifying and you forget about it but the long-term fun is the the suffering and it's not fun at all but it's it's the thing that makes a good bar story later it's the thing that you remember. so i mean we're not the the pain points that we felt in the past you know that 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 visceral pain wears off and you just kind of remember it as like, Oh, wasn't that a fun time and how crazy. Yeah. And it just feels like we constantly just go through that. It's just in an elevated capacity where we're dealing with more money than we've ever dealt with. We're dealing with more responsibility, more staff, more risk. Um, But I still, I still have like no qualms about it or, or or my tolerance is just so high to (laughs) it.
1: Yeah. I think you you kind of, hit the nail on the head there when you said you're kind of like a goldfish right you have to have this five second memory because if you start thinking about everything that could have gone wrong or something goes wrong and you let that kind of bleed into the next day or the next week or whatever like that like it's just gonna you know those bad things i i recorded an episode with someone earlier today and they were talking about you know how you know you kind of celebrate the victories you learn from the mistakes and you just continue to grow and move forward otherwise you get stuck in this like downward spiral of woe is me pity party type thing and then you never get anywhere and then that's when you know things tend to fold and next thing you know you're like yeah this this just isn't gonna work right and if you don't if you don't focus on that right you just you keep you put your head down and then you just keep busting your ass I mean it's it's amazing what comes out of it what you learn and then how you're able to you know take what you learn from that experience apply it to the next time you're having some hard troubles some hardships whatever and you're like oh this is what I gotta do or this is I know I can't do this going forward and then you know you're, you're able to kind of navigate that certain
0: situation a whole lot easier than before yeah absolutely I, it's I, I've said it before and uh, I got I'm a fan of quotes and and all that kind of stuff cliches and he knows one I know one and I use it all the time <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh <laughs> It's What is it? Entrepreneurship is is a race to see who can suffer the longest. And and I, I think it's just, you know, I, I don't feel like I've suffered a day since we started it. But yeah, shit's been hard. Not every day has been the best. But it's, it's, it's fucking a blast, man, to do.
1: I'm writing that quote down because that's what I'm going to name this episode. So ah. I think I'm going to cut out the entrepreneurship, but just like see who can suffer the longest. Yeah, I think that's just like, that just... From our half hour of talking, like I feel like that quote just kind of really embodies what you guys have been through and what it's taken to get to this point. And uh, yeah, you look at you see that quote did come in handy.
2: Yeah, there we go. The yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. I don't know if entrepreneurship is necessarily that quote. I think maybe our story is a little bit that quote, but because there are entrepreneurs that have seed capital that have this growth that are able to get, you know, funding that alleviates certain aspects of it. And for some reason, we just love, love the suck, the suck. Mm-hmm. Embrace it, embrace it, mm-hmm. absolutely. So
1: <laughs> obviously, uh, Jamie, growing up in the outdoors and, and being kind of a part of your life and then Mike picking it up and being introduced to it later on, how was it that you guys learned about 2% for conservation?
0: Oh man, this is what I'm excited to talk about. Because I have, like, the biggest man crush on this guy. So Jamie hates hearing every time I feel like a start stories. So, um, <laughs> like, moth, moth to the Flame, uh, like, definitely got obsessed with, again, the hunting and angling side. So I'm a massive, massive fan of uh, Steve Ranella and the Meat Eater podcast and – you know, it was coming. I was, I was listening to it a bunch. I kept just being like, oh, well, Steve said this today, and all this kind <laughs> of Like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just don't care. Or, like, this is, it's in the States. So, basically, what happened was I was listening to uh, one of his podcasts, and on that, he had, um, I believe it was one of the, the founders of 2%, or because it was started by, um, now now I sound like an idiot, but I haven't listened to it in a while. So this is where I'm going on. But um, it was First Light, right? Like they were uh, Sika.
1: The- Sika was the founding partner. Yep.
0: yep. Sorry. So strike that from the record. But, so Sika. So they were talking about 2% for conservation. And we were in this funny stage at that time in our business where we kept getting approached by different charities and different uh, initiatives and organizations uh, for kind of like a philanthropic uh, give back. And to that point, like we had done a lot of stuff and we had, you know, the silent auctions and giving money to this, that, and the other thing. And it just never felt like we had any impact. And then I heard about 2% for conservation and then I got connected with Jared and started kind of looking into that a little bit more. And it instantly just made so much sense to us and what we were doing because um, Jamie actually mentioned it. Uh, we had a meeting earlier today and he was chatting with this, with this guy and he's saying that, even if our company were to uh, crumble tomorrow, we would have had lasting impact on something that we greatly appreciate. And by that, I mean, so we've created a program uh, called One Million Planted, and the goal is for us to plant one million trees on Canadian soil by 2030. And so for every 340-gram bag of coffee that we sell, uh, it plants a tree, and we do that with a company out of Smithers, BC called Summit
2: Reforestation. Unless you're from the U.S. North American soil,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair <laughs> enough. The verbiage changes, but it is. Yeah, so we've been doing that, and then we've been doing a lot of other things, like we just did something with the Old Man Watershed Council um, to combat open pit coal mining and basically the degrading of uh, fish and wildlife habitat on the Old Man, which is a prized river and, and up here in Canada, and. I think for for us, what we wanted to do is have something, again, that we are as equally passionate about our company and the things that we do, but again, the, this give back. And 2% for conservation match that where, you know, not only are we, you know, giving revenue, but we're also giving um, our time. Your time yeah. yeah, because we kind of put our money where our mouth is. And so we've done a lot of tree planting. We're up in Castle and planting willows on the embankment of uh, the old man in the Castle River there. And I think yeah, that's, that's kind of how we got into it. It was, it was, it was this really kind of we're in a stationary holding pattern forever trying to make sense of something. The 2% conservation on that podcast just came out and then it was like months later we're in it and now we're like bleeding purple. Like it is like, yeah, it's, it's, and, and to see other brands, like the camaraderie that we have in wildfire I think is kind of the same camaraderie we feel. For other two percent uh, conservation certified brands, is you instantly are like, oh, you're like me, like you, you get it, like you like being outside and you want the things that you do going to contribute to that.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, <clears throat> that's very well put. Like there is, it's hard to explain. Like the the camaraderie. Like while I've not served in the military or been, you know, like a, a firefighter or anything like that. Like I've I played some sports in college and I've been a part of you know like teams and team sports like my whole life so like the camaraderie like that it's unless you've done it like it's hard to really explain right you can't really put your finger on it but you know it when you see it and Mm -hmm. like every time I I sit down and I get to talk to someone with you know through the podcast like it's like it takes like two to three minutes right and like you kind of feel that bond like you you start to understand like what their stories I mean I mean Mike hell you and I jumped in like old pals, like two minutes after we start talking, right? Like we jumped right into like we've known each other forever and yeah. like that's the type of thing that the outdoors like brings out in people. And you know, I think with 2%, it just kind of takes it to the next level.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, like for, I think the biggest thing is at the end of the day, when you look back on your life, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And when you have the ability to, to make change, Why aren't we taking advantage of that? Mm -hmm. And I feel like with what we've created, I love hunting and I love fishing and I love, I grew up on it and it was a big, big aspect of my life and I still do it and it'll always be a big part of my life. And the thing, things that I love the most about the world have everything to do with, I would say like hunting, fishing, angling, pursuing, uh, pursuing the outdoors. So why wouldn't I take that to the highest account in my life? Yeah. I'd like to take care of it. That's yeah. I think that's why two percent really works for us.
1: Yeah, that's that's really well put. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to try to add on that because that's that's great. So, what are some of the organizations that you guys are working with there in Calgary?
2: Yeah, we so somebody we work with uh, for planting our trees. It actually they they just it started out of Smithers, BC, and. I was trying. I was reaching out to a bunch of, of uh, like tree planting companies to find. And hey, we needed a, like a reasonable price on, on this, and somebody to partner with us on this endeavor because it's not a cheap endeavor. To plant a tree is typically over a dollar Canadian. So, so like, like two cents American, like fifteen cents American. thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but it's but uh, it's expensive to plant trees and and it's a lot of work and i've got a lot of respect for tree planters ever since uh, like we've we've done some tree planting alongside them but trying to find a tree planting company and we we stumbled upon uh summit reforestation out of smithers bc british columbia and and uh, talking with tim chida he's he's just an amazing person and he's also a creative he's, he's kind of a, an artsy fella and i think he saw like the the lasting impact of social uh, carbon sequestering trees and and how he could move away from just being an industry tree planting company and have an aspect of his company that could give back to what he cares about the most as well which is the outdoors hmm. and so with, with while making money all at the same time it can all be done it just has to be done in a, a proper manner right so We started talking, and we we kind of we locked down this this agreement, and we don't have any contract or anything, but it's just a handshake agreement, and and for that they plant our trees, and they actually planted the trees right down uh, the first year we planted them. We planted thirty thousand trees, and we planted them right uh, west of Calgary, Alberta. We planted some on my property and a bunch on a couple other farmer farmer properties that that are around us that that wanted to have a bunch of trees planted in. And those trees are actually the best trees because they're gonna last. Yeah. And they're not gonna cut down in, in 35, 40 years. So those are the kind of areas that we're trying to find to plant our trees. Uh, this year they've it's they've seen the success in it, so they they actually started up a new corporation that works around Summit. Summit helps them, but they're called Blue Green Planet Project, and uh, their their whole concept is how can we get people involved in planting these trees and and getting getting uh, you know carbon sequestering into the ground. Mm-hmm. If I can chalk it up. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's as you mentioned. Like, who are we dealing with? Is is kind of realistically. Um, it, it could be as straightforward, as simple as working with a local fly shop to um, pick up uh, garbage on the Bow River, which is a world-class fly fishing river uh, right yeah, And river. the
2: Old Man this year. and, and the that was yeah, huge.
0: And the Old Man. So working with uh, a community and an organization like the Old Man Watershed Council, um, up to Summit Reforestation, I think what our goal has been is how can we appropriately and passionately inject um, something that makes sense and and we have a rule of uh, Using 10% more of your brain power to get 100% of a better result. So yeah, here's here's the status quo Here's the straightforward answer, but how can we make it that much better? Yeah, and and that's that's what we try to do within the Conservational realm as well where it's it's not about cheap tricks. It's I, I think the litmus is like we're pretty blunt Jamie especially, <laughs> but we're we're pretty blunt in the sense of like if 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 we say like if we wouldn't buy it if we wouldn't donate to it if we wouldn't like if we like that's the litmus. Yeah. Like do we want to do it? No. Then why are we doing it? Yeah. And why would we entertain it? Even if it's a gra- even if it would be a lucrative deal yeah. or whatever or advance the like why?
2: And there's no the thing about true conservation is there's no smoke and mirrors. Right. It's like you got to put the hard money into it. Mm-hmm. And if you want a result, it's got to be there. And it, so it costs us every year a very large sum of money, and it comes off of our top line. Mm-hmm. We don't get we don't get to claim that as a donation or this or that, or we're giving it to a charitable donor. Like, we get a tax receipt from it. We don't get any of that. At the end of the day, this is hard-earned money that, that we're putting into things that we care about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, that kind of says all you need to know right there, right, is that the one, the, the litmus test that you guys kind of use, like if it's not something we would want to do, why are we wasting our time? Right. Cause in the end uh, it's going to show, right. The effort, like if you're not passionate about it, like the, the, the effort, the output, like it's just not going to be there. Um, like it would be if it was something that you guys were like, you know, gung ho about or anything like that. So no, I think that's a great way to, to really kind of gauge what it is that you guys want to be involved with. Um, so as far as the the million trees by 2030, like, how are you guys looking? Like, do you think you're going to be like early or is it going to be like 2030? Like we should roll in when we expect to.
0: Yeah, I think for us, it's a, it's a wildly ambitious goal. Because if you if you chalk it up, that's a million bags of coffee sold. Yeah. Um, um, and sure, there's been again, like with the Old Man Watershed Council and stuff, there's other there's other stuff that's tying into that. But. Like we started on a very small scale, I think in our first year we were working with a company called Triera, which was uh, a for-profit company that was trying to find innovative ways to get trees planted and people to care about carbon sequestering. And then Jamie did the legwork and then found um, some reforestation where we can have a lot more cause and effect and impact because we used to have one coffee that uh, called our tall timber which um, was the leading uh, contributor to planting trees, and then we're like, why are we just doing one and why are we not getting closer to the source? So now it is amongst our entire SKU lineup, Um, so grocery store, food service, online, doesn't matter where it's sold, that bag is accounted for and that tree is accounted for. and I think to this point, so we started quite slow, I was like 260, 270 trees in, in the first year of process. And then now we're up to, in our kind of second and a half year, uh, we're over 71,000. Nice. So That's awesome. I mean, yeah. And it is and it is one of those things that like, again, the volunteer hours, that that all kind of goes into it as well. But um, yeah, we have high hopes and high goals. And, and I'll be honest, if we get two or three years down the track here and we're just absolutely crushing it as we hope we will. We'll we'll pivot that goal. Like it will it will be something that we would would evolve with us. Yeah. Um but you know yeah just kind of where we're at right now 1 million planted. I think it's going to
2: happen. Yeah, you know it's an ambitious goal but I think you need to have ambitious goals. And if you don't then you need to rethink what you're doing. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, absolutely. I was going I was kind of just going to say that exact same thing that with a with a goal like I mean you got to you got to kind of swing for the fences, right? With, with, with a goal like that, because one, it's always going to give you something to work for. It's not like, oh, we're going to plant like a hundred thousand trees, right? Which is, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a hell of a lot of trees, but in the back of your mind, if you're like, well, I know that we could probably pretty easily hit a hundred thousand trees, like let's go bigger. Right. And then to put something that like, maybe when you guys first said like, okay, we're going to plant a million trees. Like maybe you guys both to yourself were like, that's a lot of trees, man. Like, are we really going to hit that? But then, like, you start to, you start to, it just becomes like the goal, right? And then it's not like, kind of like, oh, like that'd be nice. It's like, okay, we're really going to hit this number, right? And then, you just start to put the the pieces in place, and the process continues to go. And then next thing you know, like you said, two or three years down the road, you're like, well, shoot, now a million's looking pretty easy. You know, maybe we'll bump it to like one point two or something like that. And then, and then you just all hands on deck.
2: Absolutely, and I think everything's exponential. Especially as like a growing young business, like we started in our first year, we 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 couldn't get through four sacks of coffee, and in a sack is it's it's one hundred and thirty-two pounds roughly. Okay, couldn't get through four of those in our first year of business, and now we're roasting four of those easily in a day. So it's like if we are motivated and driven, and we have that persistence there's no reason that we shouldn't make that goal if anything, I think that goal is like well undervalued
1: yeah i mean and that's that's the beauty of it too like when you when you give yourself like a lofty goal to try to hit like even if God forbid you were to come up short right like that's let's say by twenty twenty thirty you're like you've planted eight hundred thousand trees, eight hundred thousand trees, man, like good god yeah. that's <laughs> uh, you know i mean it's <clears throat> I, I think lofty goals are something it's really.
2: It's hard to fathom. Yeah, 10,000 trees. We we planted. We watched. Well, we planted. I think Mike and I planted a hundred trees apiece, which took us, Rick. How long did that take us? To it plant was. It trees? was funny.
0: We we went out with these tree planters, and we're like, "Listen, we're gonna plant trees for you. You get to count them as your quota." And they're like, "Ah, oh, this is yeah, this is great. Sack up." And so we had these bundies. And we're throwing them in there. We were so shit at planting these trees. Not I'm sure only none of them live. Not only were they like, uh, I don't want that like hundred trees that you planted in an hour to go on my quota because I'm gonna like we're gonna go dig those up and have to re. i like, and we oh, it was brutal. And that's why I say it, it's like we back in fire. I used to just like we we'd always chat with the pilots and they'd be like. Uh, tree planters are the stinkiest people on the planet. Like they would get in after like super long shifts or long stints or whatever, get in there and they would just like a different breed. And I can say this because I got a bunch of buddies that are tree planters and they're stinky guys. But um, I got so much appreciation. I was so humbled by that job on that day. Because again, yeah, not yeah. not scared of hard work, but man, did I get worked. worked. Yeah. Worked. And, and the fact that
1: yeah. the, the, the actual tree planners are like, no we don't we you guys we're not going to take the ones that you planted like that can just be something fun that you guys did today <laughs>
0: i would yeah on, you guys helped. i'd be on <laughs> welfare at the end of the season i get a check for like ten dollars <laughs> i money. would i would owe them money yeah
1: basically that was a participation trophy
0: that day <laughs> that's it that and the ribbon's still on the fridge so
1: <laughs> i love it so yeah. all right guys before i let you get out of here First off, where can people find um, your coffee at?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you are, if you're an expert, if, you, if you're part of an affiliation like the military, a hotshot, if you're in, if you work for a retailer um, in the outdoor industry or anything like that, expert voice <clears throat> would be a great place to find us. Um, if you're not, uh, Canadian heritage do um, We do ship internationally. And, uh, I definitely give us a follow Canadian heritage roasting co longest name in the world. I don't know why we went for some so long. Try but... the
1: average conservationist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> every time, every time I give
1: someone my email address, I'm like, I like literally <laughs> in the footnote, I'm like, sorry, it's so long.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what she said. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, yeah, if I, find us on Instagram. We appreciate the follow, appreciate the support. Um, but those, those are kind of the main places to find us right now. And I mean, if you're ever in Calgary, if you're ever making uh, your way up to the, the old white North here, um, definitely come on by and we'd, we'd happily give you a tour of our roastery coffee shop is the first oil refinery in Western Canada. And there's a lot of history and and heritage there. And, um, I mean, I've, I've chatted with a bunch of the 2% guys and I'm like, if you're ever up on the Bow river, We'll take out the rods and go nice. slab into fish. So yeah. probably
2: not catch anything there, but yeah, exactly. If we're on the old man. You might catch something. Yeah, there. something
1: like that. <laughs> and as long as you got some of that premium whiskey waiting for me, then uh, oh, then
2: we're oh, good. Yeah, always, um, we do sell we do sell in a lot of grocery stores across Canada as well. Um, but but we're not we're not in any grocery stores down in the U.S. yet. Yes, so just wait. Yeah. Uh, Good. I mean, we
1: can still order from you online though, so that's that's no problem at all.
0: Exactly.
2: And uh,
1: <clears throat> one more thing: Do you guys got any big uh, hunting trips or fishing trips planned for this year? Yeah, actually, we have a Montana. big.
2: Uh, we're we're looking to go down to Ennis, An- uh, Montana. Um,
1: Ennis, yeah, yeah, I've been to Ennis. They got some great fly fishing down there too. Bring your rods.
2: Unreal, unreal brown trout. Yeah, I can't. Tell, I can't tell anybody the time of year that we're going because. It's a little secret. Oh, right, but, fair enough. Uh, funny that we know the secret. <laughs> yeah, it um, really is, right? If you want to <laughs> catch some big, big, uh, big browns, yeah, down there, that's going to be fun. We're, we got that planned, um, and I think we're actually going up up to Saskatchewan, northern Saskatchewan, for some big northern pike mm-hmm. um, a little bit uh, later in the spring, so so we're trying to plan, plan a little something. That. I'm actually getting married. so I think it might be for my bachelor party. So. Oh, congratulations! No, for my
1: bachelor party, we were uh, my buddies took me to uh, the Upper Peninsula, the UP of Michigan here, and we just like camped for a few days, did some spelunking, just kind of hung out on Lake Superior for a few days. Like it was, they definitely knew the kind of bachelor party I wanted. Man, like yeah, cooking food. Yeah. What's
0: that's, that? That's, quit, that's the quintessential kind of bachelor party. I don't know about this other garbage, but yeah. I mean, like that—that's what I want.
1: Yeah, it was like they they teed it up perfectly. They knew exactly like cooking all of our meals like on the fire at night. Like it was, it was perfect, man. Like and congratulations on getting married as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah if you're down in Ennis, there's actually another two percent brand that's located, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Ennis. Another coffee company, uh, Dark Timber.
2: Oh, oh yes, cool. yeah. Actually, Mike knows about Dark Timber. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I follow all those guys
1: creeping yeah. in yeah. the background. Tony, uh Tony is the uh, the owner of Dark Timber, man. Good dude. You guys should definitely try to like reach out to him ahead of time there. Just a, a great dude and another obviously two percent brand as well. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. One one of the last things I had is so are are we gonna get like officially branded um the average conservationist uh merch or are we getting the blanks that have nothing on them when we when we do a swap here? Oh no, you guys look at the good stuff. Yeah, no, I'm
1: not going to give you guys the blanks that have dog hair and everything all over them. Don't worry. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) All right, Mike, Jamie, thanks thanks a ton, man. I really enjoyed this, guys. And, you know, congratulations on all the success up to this point. I really look forward to getting you guys on again in the future and uh, hearing about how things are going then, too. Absolutely.
2: It was a pleasure.
1: Thanks so much, Marcus. All right, guys, take care. All right. Well, thank you again to Jamie and Mike for joining me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Wild Rivers Coffee, uh, as well as 2% for Conservation. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only positive conservation-driven content that you see in your feeds. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Be sure to check out TheAverageConservationist.com. Stay up to date with all of the latest podcast episodes and grab some uh, some sweet gear to support conservation at the same time. So... As always, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.